Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Headliners. My name is Anna Herod, and I'm your news editor. And I'm XR Arguello, the assistant news editor. This week, me and XR are going to talk about um, this headline, Animals Find Families Through Home for the Holidays event. So, stray animals will find new homes this season as the San Marcos Regional Animal Shelter takes part in their annual Home for the Holidays event. So this is an adoption drive and it will be running until January 4th and there will be a new discount each month um, that has to do with the adoption of a pet. Yeah, so the shelter is teaming up with Blue Buffalo and Home for the Holidays, which are organizations that help uh, adopt pets through animal shelters all across the nation. And this is an annual partnership that they do with Home for the Holidays that kind of promotes um, pet adoptions, especially through this holiday season when people want pets and um, it's, just, it's just a good way for them to... to to dwindle down the numbers in the animal shelter. Yeah, and actually, um, this is a pretty unique program because according to the Blue Buffalo website, um, the event is the highest pet adoption campaign on record, and it has saved over 9 million pets' lives since its creation 16 years ago. And the current, our, our animal shelter here in San Marcos averages around 520 to 535 adoptions per year, which is a lot of pets to be coming in and out of the shelter. And um, so during this event, um, there will be discounts for the animals that you can pick up at the shelter. So for the month of October, they cost it 20, and uh, rather than the average $90 rate, and those rates will kind of fluctuate throughout the different months. Um, so prices are being dropped dramatically to kind of um, to kind of compensate for this for this kind of sale that's going on that the shelter is doing. And uh, all the pets that will be adopted are going to be sterilized, up to date with their vaccines, and will be spayed slash neutered. So yeah, and that's actually a pretty big deal because to get your pet spayed or neutered, um, that's pretty expensive, and also to get your dogs their shot. So. I know that where I'm from, um, the shelter doesn't always offer that. Like, you have to get that before you can adopt the pet. So you have to pay for those or sign a contract saying that you're going to get all of those things done before you can adopt the pet. So it's nice that for this Home for the Holidays event, um, all of these animals are already going to be taken care of in that regard. So um, hopefully that'll lead to more puppies being adopted and having a family on Christmas Day or whatever holiday you celebrate. Yeah, um, I actually wrote an article earlier this year about uh, the animal shelter and how they were kind of they kind of have problems sometimes with overpopulation and how sometimes they, they struggle to, to, to get animals in and out of the shelter. And events like this, especially when you have discounted prices and the ability to have these pets already vaccinated, is just a big plus for people um, when they want to adopt. The expense is lower. Um, and it's just a great way for the shelter to deal with the constant problem that they have of overpopulation in the shelter that's been kind of detrimental to them for, for a while. And, and organi uh, organizations that come in, like over the holidays, really really helps relieve that for them. And, and it helps them out and, and um, allows them to have more space so that more pets can come in or, or more uh, strays can come in to the shelter so they so they can find a home as well so it's just better for everybody this yeah one. and um i can attest to what xr was saying about um the overcrowding in the san marcus animal shelter um he did a story about that earlier this year and i know that just a few weeks ago i was having puppy fever so i decided to go to the san marcus animal shelter and go meet some puppies and see if um see if I fell in love with any of them and of course I fell in love with every single one of them but I decided right. I wouldn't be able to um, give them enough attention just because I'm busy but um, when I was there the worker at the animal shelter um, she brought out one of the dogs I wanted to meet to the back area and the dog was just very hyper and she was telling me like you know 
this dog hasn't been walked all day because like we're so overcrowded, we're very busy, we don't have enough volunteers. So a lot of those dogs just like stay in the cage unless there's time. So um, this program is pretty great so that um, it can kind of clear the shelter, you know, for the holiday season. Yeah, definitely. And then um, another thing that the article talked about was um, somebody from the San Marcos um, Animal Shelter, they were talking about whenever you decide to give somebody a gift during the holiday season and you decide to give them an animal for a gift, you shouldn't just be like, oh, hey, here's a puppy, Merry Christmas, or again, whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, You should make sure that you discuss and plan it with the person that you're giving it to um, beforehand because she said, you know, that's basically like adopting a child for somebody else without their consent. And I mean, you know, animals, sometimes they can live up to 15 years. So it's just like really is a huge commitment and it's a long term commitment. So um, she just reminded everybody to make sure you don't just surprise somebody with an animal. Yeah, definitely. Um, Adopting from a shelter is the way to go. And I know a lot of students here want to adopt. Uh, Like Anna said, she had puppy fever. But you have to commend her for the fact that she she assessed the situation and knew that she couldn't take care of the animal yeah. so it, that's just like super important to, to really step back and and uh, talk to the person that you're going to get an animal for especially if you're getting it for the holiday season just to make sure that this is something that they can handle especially as a student um, to, to kind of make that time for that animal because it is like a child and it is a big commitment yeah I know how I cured my puppy fever um, I just started playing with my roommates dog more and that worked for me so right. um, and then people whose roommates don't have a dog maybe you should just go to the shelter and walk the dog so that they're not in their cage all the time just be a volunteer and that can kind of subside your puppy fever because you may not have enough time to make that commitment but you can still do good for those animals yeah definitely and um like Anna said, if, if you're having, like, this puppy fever, th- there's other ways, you know, to do if you don't have time. And, and the shelter is constantly in need of volunteers, so that's just a great way for you to for you to go out and help these animals. Yeah, and it's just, it's an important, um, it's an important topic because um, another thing that XR, I believe, that you talked about in your past article is that, you know, some of these dogs, they're just there because, you know, somebody does adopt a dog or a cat mm. or whatever it may be, and then they realize that they don't have the time yeah. and commitment for yeah. it, so they have to surrender it back to the shelter, right. and that adds to the population. So, um, so yeah, so it's just important to make sure that you're really, truly ready to adopt an animal. For sure, for sure. Okay, so um, I think that about covers it for that headline. The next headline we'll talk about is one that is a very current local issue. So the headline is, City Council Election Results Take San Marcos in New Direction. Yeah, so last night, Tuesday, um, November 3rd, was City Council elections for Place 5 and Place 3. Um, I mean, Place, place five, 5 and, and place, place 6. six. <laughs> My bad. Place 5 and Place 6, excuse me. And um, so the results were in last night. We, uh, we had reporters covering it. And uh, Scott Gregson, who was candidate for place five, uh, beat Frank Ar- Frank Arredondo, and uh, he won with 62.59% of the vote, compared to Arredondo's 34.82% of the vote. Um, Gregson received 1,889 votes, while Arredondo only received 1,051 votes. Uh, so Scott Gregson is your city council place five winner, and he will represent you guys in city council. Um, and as for place six, Melissa Derrick beat incumbent Shane Scott, who has been serving on city council since 2012, um, Melissa Derrick received 62 point, uh, 67.21% excuse me, 0.21% of the vote, while Shane Scott received 32.79% of the vote. Derrick had 2,023 votes, while Scott only had 987 votes. So the incumbent is out, and Melissa Derrick will now be your new Place 6 City Council representative. 
Yeah, and um, I think that's pretty, I wouldn't say surprising, but I know that statistics show that normally, you know, incumbents, they get reelected. Um, so it's interesting, you know, that this challenger was able to knock the city council incumbent um, from place six and get that seat for herself. So. Yeah, and uh, especially like Anna said, an incumbent coming in strong. But I, what's more surprising is that Derek got significantly, significantly more votes. It was over a thousand more. Yeah. Right, right. A, a lot more support. So that she Derek didn't had. just knock him out. Like she really, she really won. Right, right. And by a landslide. Yeah, yeah, she did. Um, I guess all the campaigning that that her and, and Gregson did together ended up paying them well, as as both um, both campaign. Um, uh, uh, candidates are elected now and I know they ran together um, so yeah and um, so for those of you who voted you may already know this but um, for those of you who didn't um, so while voters had the opportunity to um, cast their ballot for their preferred candidate for city council um, for both place five and place six they also had the opportunity to vote on two propositions both of the propositions were propositions to add an amendment to the city charter. So Prop 1 um, was, a, uh, was a proposition to add an amendment to the city charter that would prohibit the city of San Marcos from adding any fluoride to the municipal water supply. And um, so this one, it's if you voted for Prop 1, then you're voting to take fluoride out. And then if you're voting against it, then you're voting to keep fluoride in the water. And then Prop 2 was an amendment, um, or was a proposition to make an amendment to the city charter that would require um, petitions. So if you had a petition, every single signature would have to have additional documentation um, proving that the person who signed their name on the petition really is um, who they say they are. So there would have to be that additional documentation in order for any type of petition to be considered valid legally. And um, yeah, so then both of the propositions, they were approved. Right, so Proposition 1, which is fluoride, um, so like, like Anna said, if you voted for it, that means that you voted to take fluoride out of the uh, municipal water system here in San Marcos. So uh, for Proposition 1, uh, 1 with 60.73% of the vote, which is 1,565 votes, and uh, those who voted against, which uh, is to keep fluoride in the water, uh, lost and uh, only received 39.27% of the vote, which is 1,270 votes. Um, and I know fluoride and water was something that was already in the city, so this is a big turnaround. Uh, we're going to see how this goes further uh, with city council and, and how they kind of adjust this in. Um, that might be a difficult transition for them, but, but we'll see how that goes. Mm -hmm. And um, so for Proposition 2, uh, if you voted for it and then you voted for, for the additional signatures on the, petition, on the petitions, excuse me, the for additional authenticity. Documentation yeah, documentation. To to make it valid. Right. Yeah. Um, if you voted for, um, that means uh, you were for the proposition, and that won with 55.70% of the vote, which is 1,565 votes, and against, um, which was only 44.88, which is 1,270 votes. Yeah. Um, and to me, these results are interesting because I know that um, the organization that um, rallied to get this uh, Prop 1 to take fluoride out of the water for the ones who rallied to get this on the ballot. 
um, they were telling everybody, you know, they were on the quad, they were at city events, they were at like city council debates. They were telling people to vote for Prop 1 so that fluoride would be taken out of the um, municipal water supply. And they were telling them to vote against Prop 2, which would require additional documentation in order for a petition to be um, considered valid. So it's just interesting to me that they both passed um, because obviously people who were um, against fluoride being in the water, they showed up to the polls, but at the same time, the um, the Prop 2, it still passed, even though the, um, the fluoride people, they were against that. So it's just kind of interesting how that played out. I don't know if it had to do with the wording on the ballot, like if people got confused, but I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, um, the, the wording on the ballot was kind of confusing. You had to really, really step back and read it to kind of understand. Uh, I think it got asking. people because it was like, if you vote for, then you're voting against right, right. But at the same time, you know, the citizens showed up. They, they made their voices heard. At the same time, um, there's only a couple thousand of voters who showed up in a town of, yeah. you know, way yeah. more than that. So yeah, um, yeah definitely. And um, fl- the the activists against fluoride really really showed up. Um, when I covered the uh, one of the city council meetings, they had a, um, a dentist there, forgot his name, doctor, and they also had somebody who was who was activating ag- um, an activist against fluoride debating so you know both parties really really fought for this proposition and, and this was really controversial for a while a lot of people were wondering you know what's the importance of having fluoride without fluoride and uh, a lot of these activists against fluoride showed up in the quad uh, showed up at OBJ and really and really you know explained to the students what fluoride does in the water from their point of view and just really try to get people out to vote and uh, it, it turned out beneficial for them as fluoride will now be out of our water system soon yeah and um so also, I would just like to mention, I remember um, at the University Star City Council debate, um, uh, Frank Arredondo, he voiced his opinion on um, on fluoride in the water, and he said that, you know, fluoride, it's what helps um, disadvantaged, economically disadvantaged, um, like children, adults, whatever, that's what helps them keep their teeth strong, you know, um, fluoride strengthens your teeth, and if they don't have access to, like, dental care, then that could be beneficial to them, but now that won't be in the water, um, that'll be an issue that we're actively following, because I know that the city already has their water supply planned out, like, 50 years in advance, so, um, it'll be interesting to see how, um, the approval of this amendment will play out um, in the water supply itself because if we're purchasing our water from a different area, then how are we to tell them if there's fluoride in the water they're providing us? Right. Um, so we'll just have to keep up with that and see how it plays out. Um, so those are some stories to look for. Um, so that about wraps that up. Um, the story that I am looking forward to, I want you guys to watch out for this headline, is we are doing a feature on Susie from Jones. For those of you who don't know, Susie is a um, diner cashier, so she is at um, the Campus Diners. She was originally um, in Jones Dining Hall, um, but obviously that's under construction, so it's no longer open, so now you can find her in LBJ. She is a very sweet lady. She's a favorite among Texas State students. Um, she's social media famous because people take pictures of her, and um, everybody retweets. Everybody loves Susie. So um, we're sending a reporter to do a feature on her, just kind of find out her life story and um, see like her take on her job, how she likes it, just so we can all get to know um, the nice lady who checks us out at LBJ. Yeah, she, she's she's such a sweetheart. Um, every time I. 
even now when I go get food at OBJ, she's always like, she always asks me how I'm doing, how my day was. She's a very sweet lady. And um, I believe a few years ago she was ill. Mm-hmm. And uh, the students decided to do go go fund me and, and raise money for her surgery. It was cataract. She had, mm. she needed like a cataract surgery and students fully paid for her surgery. So right. that'll be interesting. Um, that may be in the story. Um, I know one time I was checking out at Jones whenever that was still open and I had some paint canvases in my hand that I had just bought. Um, and she was like, oh, do you paint? Like she was asking me all about it. And she, I told her, I was like, yeah, I like to paint. I'm not great at it, but it's just a hobby. And she was like, you know what? You're good at it. If you do it, she was like, you can always do it with practice. If you look at the best artists out there and look at their first paintings. And she was just very encouraging. And she was just telling me about her hobby. She's just a very nice lady. So look forward to that feature from our reporter. Sure. And the story that I'm looking forward to is, um, our annual heat follow-up story kind of uh, feature. So HEAT, for those of you who don't know, is an environmental organization on campus that um, basically takes care of our campus in a lot of different ways for environmental. They, they, I know they pick up plastic, they do a lot of uh, things with recycling, um, they do things with animal initiatives as well. So they're just an all-around environmental organization that uh, really pushes a lot of things. Last year, they actually banned the use of styrofoam on campus. And uh, what that means is that the university, <coughs> excuse me, partnered with HEAT to make sure that styrofoam was no longer being served in the dining halls or sold anywhere on campus. So, thanks to heat, you will no longer see uh, styrofoam on campus uh, when you go eat in dining halls. Um, And that's something that that they fought for a lot last year. I remember when I did that story, um, Colin Aliff, who was the president at the time, I believe he graduated, um, but but that's something he said that, you know, he, he had to talk to the president a lot and talk to university officials to kind of make sure that this was something that they did. So last year they really pushed that and they got it done. So styrofoam is now banned on campus. Um, so basically with this uh, follow-up or this you know annual heat project um, story that we're working on is gonna be doing is figuring out what projects they have for this year. Since last year was such a really good year for them since they banned styrofoam, um, it'll be interesting to see what new proposals they have, especially with the new leadership that they have. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. Yeah, and just on that note, um, I actually talked to the reporter who's working on this story today and she was telling me that um, he let her know that um, that they're actually going to be announcing their big project for this year next week. So um, that story will be out soon, and you'll find out more about that, what that project is. So be looking out for that. Um, I think that's it for this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope that you tune in for next week's as well. Um, Thank you. My name is Anna Herod, and I'm your news editor. And I'm X Arduguero, your assistant news editor. Catch you back next week. Thanks. Thanks.